Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial by visiting geektherapy.com slash audible. Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. This is technically episode 117 of the original Geek Therapy Podcast, but we, we've made some changes. We've got a new name, we've got a new cast, and, and a few things are going to be different. So with me this week are Lara Taylor. Woo! Ali Matu. Hey. And Lauren Keller. Kaka. So there are four of us here now. I didn't I didn't prep you guys to like do an intro of yourselves. I mean Lara's been here every week for the past forever. For the past year at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a while. And both of you have been on past episodes of either Geek Therapy or, or some other show on the network. So I'm just excited to have you guys here. I mean, we can tell our live stories as we as we discuss, as we talk. And unless there's anything pressing about your, yourselves that you want to throw up front. You don't it, have to. It all began on a cold February day uh, many years ago. Speaking of cold, <laughs> how about that bomb of Genesis? Ooh, Ooh, man. man. Uh, I'm, I'm chilling at about a, a 10 or 15 degree temperature here in New York City. Um, so I, I'm, it's, it's pretty cold. It's pretty cold. So uh, I just spent the last two days in the D.C. area, and it said it was negative five, or, or feels like negative five. That's a and whole lot of no post way. It, it had been a while <laughs> since I uh, felt that. There's parts of the East Coast that are going to get below the temperature of the surface of Mars this weekend. So uh, it's pretty cold right now. Well, thanks for joining us on Geek Therapy Radio, where we talk about the weather. <laughs> I guess we're going to change. Well, I guess we chose the wrong the wrong name for the show. We are the Weather Channel. <laughs> I mean, they talk about the weather on the radio. That makes sense. It still works. Okay. GT but like Radio a, on a, Weather Channel. I like that. A delayed weather report podcast. Um, probably not the best idea. <laughs> Man, I got three comedians on the show. I don't know how. I don't know if this was such a good idea. Oh. So, guys, I was at an event called Magfest in in DC. That's why I was down there, and I was volunteering at the Take This AFK room. And for people who don't know what that is, uh, Take This is an organization that does mental health advocacy within the gaming industry mostly. And so at different events, they have something called the AFK Room. AFK stands for Away From Keyboard. And it's a room where people who are at an event like a Comic-Con or a PAX, the first one was ever at PAX East 2014. So this is MAGFest, which is a music and gaming festival. It is loud. It Uh is pretty overwhelming. And this was the first year that they did the the room and i never volunteered have have any of you volunteered at the take this booth before no nope no so it's pretty cool right you just uh they always have clinicians on hand which i like uh that that they're they're really responsible about this kind of thing it's one of my favorite uh projects out there and and so they staff it with non-clinical volunteers and clinical volunteers and they have you know people just come in and it's a very quiet space and if people need to to talk for a bit or just unwind, you know, the the clinical people are there to check in. So that was kind of, you know, to make sure that everybody's okay, there's no crisis. If we have to elevate it to to something else, then then, you know, the clinical people are there to uh, deal with that. But, you know, there's no there's no actual counseling, no treatment and and no no like clinical assessment or anything like that. Just people to talk to. Yeah, 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 or just a space to like be yeah. like just be be in a quiet space, right? So it's it's great. And I was talking to some of the volunteers and it was really great to see people without clinical backgrounds 
want to be involved in mm. in helping people, right? And in and in mental health. It was so great to talk about mental health and and it not just be mental illness. Like everybody knew that being in a in an overcrowded, very loud space for a long period of time can be like <laughs> detrimental to your mental health and sometimes you need a break. Right. And so so I thought that that was a great example, right? Of people who, you know, you don't have to have a clinical background to to kind of help out. They should have some of those at airports. Gosh. They should have those yes. anywhere. Yeah. But I wanted to contrast this positive example of people helping regarding mental health with a super, super negative example, like <laughs> like a YouTuber mm. um, going to uh, uh, Logan Paul. If you haven't heard mm. of uh, what Logan Paul did. Who wants it? Lauren, you want to take this? What did Logan Paul do? Logan Paul, uh, he is a YouTube vlogger of, I guess, some renown. I had never heard of his name until this past week, and I kind of wish I still didn't know who he was, but here we are. (laughs) Um, And he and, uh, I guess, his camera crew went into uh, the uh, Okigahara Forest in Japan, which is, maybe you know it by its other name, the Suicide Forest. Um, Mm -hmm. And he went in there with cameras and walked around, and they found... um, a person who had died by suicide, um, by hanging and they filmed it and they filmed their reactions and then they posted it on YouTube, including a thumbnail with the man's corpse in the thumbnail. And, uh, people had some strong feelings about that. You know, the, the thing is that he, he said that he, he did this to like create awareness about suicide. Boo. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I know. It's like uh, to to hear the 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 explanation, right? Like he's he's issued a couple um, apology videos. He he says that he thought he was doing a a positive thing, like he was creating suicide awareness. And at the end, I don't. I never saw the video. Um, it was taken down by the time I heard about it. But I I believe he had resources at the end. But. But still, it's 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 a combination of things, right? It's first that this even happened, and second that the that the video was trending. So he has 15 million subscribers, and the video with that thumbnail with the corpse on it was trending worldwide. Or I don't know if worldwide, but it was trending on YouTube, which means that even more people saw it. He also has a large following of younger people. That's my understanding. Like, like teens. Yeah. I heard about it from one of my clients. Like young young guy and like he has limited internet access and i'm like what the heck are you talking about so then i go and look it up and i'm like what is going on i don't understand yeah i'm sure like tons of people's clients are are, are talking about this like uh, ali you you have a youtube channel you're a psychology <laughs> related youtube channel how do you feel about this there's so many so many problems with this story. Um, there's so many ways in which it upset me this week. And when you mentioned we're going to talk about it, I was like, oh. Um, <laughs> we talk about the things it, that no one else wants to. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think it highlights a lot of things. Um, he has gained, he's been reprimanded by you. I just did air quotes. I did air quotes and then I realized no one can see those air quotes. No one can see your quotes. Uh, <laughs> no one can see my quotes. In I podcasts, heard them, No one can see your air quotes. Um, 
so he he did get us he finally got a strike from YouTube uh, for breaking its terms of service by um, uh, by posting this graphic content. But um, as Josue said, this appeared um, on the trending page of YouTube. We have never been told how the trending page works. YouTube is very. Um, uh, they're not transparent about that process. One day that trending page appeared, and no one is is clear on on how that works. Um, so, how did a video with a thumbnail of um, a dead person with that title um, get published when so many other YouTubers um, have content blocked? That uh, for mm-hmm. I had a, a video that was striked because I was talking about racism and I was talking about psychology of racism. How does this video that is so graphic even get published and then appear on trending and YouTube never takes it down? It was it was him himself who finally took the video down. Um, and then some of the other controversy about this is a lot of response videos that are talking about what happened. They've been either blocked or flagged by YouTube because YouTube has now been flagging everything that's that's related to this. So I think that it highlights a lot of problems with how YouTube works, with um, our desire for this content. Um, you know, he's gained more subscribers this week than he has in in recent history. Um, his audience has only grown as a result of this. Um, yeah. But and, you say and, a desire for this type of content. Like, what kind of content are you talking about? Well, you know, uh, the research on viral videos is uh, videos that provoke strong emotional reactions are more likely to be shared and go viral. And whether that's shock or awe, uh, cute babies hugging each other, or really graphic, disturbing content, all of those provoke strong emotional reactions. And I, I never watched this video, but I'm, I'm guessing it did something similar. Um, so content that's like that, that will shock you, is more likely to get views. Um, and so what does that mean, that w- this content took off and he gained an audience? And... Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a tough conversation, and I don't really have good answers for that. And we haven't even talked about what's the impact of this on people who are struggling with depression, who have suicidal thoughts. Um, How does this impact people who have been impacted by suicide? Um, Anna Akana had a response about this video, and she was talking about, um, I believe it's um, her sibling who died by suicide. Um, So, you know, this has far-reaching mental health implications. This has huge implications for YouTube and the problem with that ecosystem. And I'm going to stop talking right now because I'm getting kind of upset. (laughs) <laughs> and this is this is like that's the avenue that we're going to take on this right like the the mental health effect on on just people right like uh, Lara said her her client brought it up i'm sure how many young people saw this video before it was taken down and i mean and people can still watch it because it continues to be reuploaded and it'll be uploaded to other places that aren't youtube right so mm-hmm. so that that video is out there people are watching it and you know i've worked with younger kids who like that shock and awe that's like Oh, you got to see this thing. Um, oh, like uh, if, if any of you have watched the newest episodes of Black Mirror, there's one episode where that happens. Right? There's this kid who is uh, completely like uh, her world is censored, essentially. And then the right. moment that the censorship is removed by her parents, this other kid in school is like, oh, then you have to see. And then just shows him like the worst of the Internet. <laughs> and 
I mean, those are those are things that like how many people saw something like this and have never had a conversation with a parent or weren't equipped emotionally to 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 deal with that. And and then to see that again, my understanding is that he's joking around the body. Mm-hmm. Him and his friends are just like messing around, like having a good time. And and then they start filming it. It wasn't apparently it wasn't even, oh, like, I can't believe this is here. Like like pull the camera away, like cut it, you know, like let's not do this. They're making jokes and laughing and, and, and filming it. If you look at the his uh, other videos, his previous videos, this is uh, a trend is how do I create um, shock? How can I um, get people to react emotionally? One of his previous videos, he goes around Japan and just really acts in the worst way possible um, in a very obnoxious way. Um, and that's that's kind of what his video channel's been all about. So any idea about this being about raising awareness for suicide-related issues or one of his responses uh, early on was, I didn't know, I wasn't sure this was going to happen. No, like everyone in that area knows that if you if you go here, there's, there's a likely chance that you're going to uh, find someone who's committed suicide. He knew exactly it- what he was doing. He was trying to get reaction. And even even if, you know, you avoid seeing like a fresh person, so to speak, like there are bones littered all about the place. There are ropes tied between trees um, as a way to try and convince people who are out there contemplating suicide to, to lead them back to the path so that they they don't just wander into the forest and die like you can't go in there and not be completely 100% surrounded by, like, this is a place where people go to kill themselves. Right. And, and the fact that he's like, this is an opportunity to get some clicks is just, like, awful and enraging and really, really tacky, if I'm being honest. It's a lot of things. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so uh, one of the conversations I had this week was with um, uh, one of my young adult patients who was talking about 13 Reasons Why and how... 13 Reasons Why, it's, it's been controversial as well because it similarly uh, shows details of suicide. Um, the difference there, though, is it, it also is done in the context of a story that can create dialogue. And uh, I know we could probably have a debate. In fact, I think you all probably talked about this on this podcast before. Like, so like many times. seven or eight or <laughs> right. 15 times. <laughs> um and that's a very different thing. There, there is a um, initial intention to do that, not necessarily to shock because it's not in the first episode, but it's much more about creating that discussion. Um, there was a. Uh, I don't know if anyone here watched the, this documentary called. I think it was called The Bridge. Did anyone see that? It's about um, suicide on the Golden Gate Bridge. No, I haven't, I haven't. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it before. Right. So it's. It's um, in the United States, one of the, um, I don't know if it still is, but when I was in grad school, when I learned a bunch of stuff, it was. I think it, is. I think it still is. I just drove over the bridge about I, an hour ago. <laughs> I think it's considered yeah. one of the, like, it's like the top three is uh, the suicide forest in Japan. And then there's a bridge in China that's also really famous. Uh, and then the San Francisco Bridge. 
yeah. is, it's right up there in the, in the top yeah. there. And I think one of the reasons why is for a long time, the local community has opposed putting on, um, creating any type of barriers, which is a yeah. huge way to um, prevent suicide. Suicide is sort of this impulsive out of um, this altered state of consciousness. So if you can create some barriers, you can actually save lives. But um, so this documentary um, films the bridge and it um, it captures suicide attempts and suicide completions. Um, the filmmakers did say when they found someone, they would alert authorities and try to help this person. But one and so that's a little controversial because the film does show these suicide attempts. But it also um, that's not what the film is is about. The film is really about understanding what is happening to these people. There's it interviews uh, someone who attempted suicide there. You learn their life story. Um, and it's about the issues of, about how do we prevent suicides? How do we create barriers? Why has there been pushback against this? That is very different than this video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the purpose of this video was really to create emotional shock, get clicks. That's really it. There's no real educational value to this. So regardless of what Logan Paul's intentions were, and regardless of what any artist's intention is with any media, one of the things that that has been core to this program, right? Like, let's say this is the first time you ever uh, listened to to any of the Geek Therapy shows. Like, one of the things to to know about us is that we we really believe that media matters, right? We think that even something like this, which on its face has no educational value and is just clickbait, it is absolutely. Like it, it's a conversation starter. Everything is a conversation starter, and we can like. This is an opportunity for us to point out the things that are wrong in it, and I think it's very unfortunate that this that this uh, video exists. But shows like ours, the the purpose is to kind of have conversations around things like this, so that we can point out the fact that like it's this is not the way. Like if if this is how you want to <laughs> you know bring up suicide awareness, this is this is not yeah. the way. There are better ways to do it. It has educational value in that don't do this thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anti-educational value, <laughs> and and that's a, that's kind of a theme uh, of, of of what we do here, right? We talk a lot about uh, video games and comic books and movies and TV shows, and YouTube is a part of that. You know, music is a part of that. YouTube is definitely such a huge a huge part of that. I mean, I pay for YouTube Red because I, <laughs> I I I watch enough YouTube where I don't want any ads on it. You know, mm-hmm. and there's um, like uh, Ali, you mentioned Anakana. Um, one of my favorite YouTubers is Boogie Two Nine Eight Eight, and you know, it's I feel like every YouTuber reacted to uh, Logan Paul's um, videos, and I didn't see. I'm sure there are other mental health professionals talking about this, other people who with some sort of psychology background discussing it also, but. Um, but we are too. <laughs> we are too. And 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 uh, Ali, like I completely understand. It's like it's not a topic that I, I don't want to spend an hour on it. You know, like it is. Right. It is sad and depressing. I think it's it's definitely worth mentioning that, man. There are better ways. You know, this is. I don't know. This is something that it, that has been concerning me. Like, like I mentioned, take this at the beginning. I I love the fact that take this is always. You know, they always provide a clinical. There were there were three people with clinical backgrounds in that room at uh, two to three at all times, even though by, like there was no clinical treatment happening. Right. But you want to be responsible about this kind of mm-hmm. thing. And and when we're discussing media, 
and we're discussing mental health, right? Uh, something I've been trying to, to get across to people lately is like mental health is, is so many things. It's way, way more than just mental illness. It's, you know, it's, it's psychological, but it's emotional and it's social. That's why we're going to talk about things like representation. And we're going to talk about things like how it made you feel, you know, and how the people making it felt and, and how it might make different people feel and what it makes you think and what effects it can have. And all of that is, is a, a broader conversation that I think that we, I think it's going to be fun to do. And I think, I don't know about you guys, but I can't turn that off. I can't just enjoy a movie or a TV show. Like I see the, the other layers and, yep. and I need you guys to, it's all your it. fault. Like, <laughs> it's all your fault. I used to be able to enjoy stuff, and then I met you, and now I can't. I analyze everything, I'm and so then sorry. I text you about it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to say about YouTube is um, it is such a gigantic universe, and you can be hanging out in this one corner of YouTube and know uh, or follow all of these channels or all of these people, and there could be someone really big in another corner that has millions of subscribers and you've never heard of them. This happens all the time, mm-hmm. and there's so many amazing mental health YouTubers out there. Uh, I just want to do a, give a shout out to Rachel Star Withers. Um, she is a stunt person who like a hundred videos into her channel revealed that she has schizophrenia. And then um, she does these videos sometimes about stunts and sometimes about living with schizophrenia. And one of the things that I learned from watching her videos is one of the ways that she copes with um, hallucinations and delusions is by having her dog. And so if she starts to see something come out of her wall and her dog is not reacting to it, she realizes, oh, this is a part of my illness. I don't have to worry about that. And what's so amazing to me about that is our research is so poor into how people who are functioning really well with schizophrenia, how they live their lives, that this is the first time I even heard of that. And I heard of that as a great coping skill. So even though we've got this bad news on YouTube right now, there's so many amazing people out there, so many people doing good mental health, like, stuff on YouTube or just people talking about mental health and also just being their awesome YouTube self. So that gives me some hope and excitement and joy. And so that example is someone sharing their experience, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And versus giving advice or telling you how to deal with it or telling you what to do. Or and going into a forest <laughs> and videoing dead bodies. Exactly. And and I I I think that this is it's a it's a very I want to say nuanced uh, conversation, right? Like there is, I think that every single case could be seen differently. Like I can see 10 different people having similar experiences to, to hers and then making 10 different videos. And some of them could be really helpful for certain people and some of them could be like really detrimental. And I think, you know, we can take those things um, on a case by case basis. But you're right. There are, there are good things and there, there are bad things. There are bad things even by professionals. Like right. uh, uh-huh. something that Lara mentioned to me earlier. <laughs> don't oh, don't get me started, Josue. <laughs> do it, do it, share it. <laughs> okay, so I listen to a lot of talk radio, and I was listening to my local uh, radio station, and there's this guy that has Dr. Drew Pinsky on his show, like <laughs> once a week. And I got so angry. They were talking about um, the Goldwater Rule, and that's essentially psychologists, psychiatrists should not be diagnosing people 
from a distance. They should have interviewed somebody before they try and make a diagnosis. And he tried to argue against it, saying that it... What? Uh, yeah, yeah. So he was trying to say that it stigmatizes things. And I can speak about a rash from a distance. Why can't I speak about bipolar? And he said that it was easy to diagnose someone with bipolar and notice it from a distance. Ugh. He said he said it was so easy. He was like it's e- not it's not just easy, it's incredibly easy. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And I was thinking about it. He brought up the he brought up the suggestion of like, "Okay, so when you're training, a lot of times there are, are vignettes, like videos that you watch and like you diagnose people from a distance, right? But I'm thinking about how I did things in school and we would talk <laughs> about characters on television, movies, whatever that we've watched for a while. We don't just see 5 minutes of clip on on something. You get an insight into their lives and things when you're watching a show or a movie. This is very different from like watching our president do a speech. Yeah, you don't know I, what he does in his personal life. You, you can imagine. You can, oh man, you can't compare fictional characters who are, you know, d- like two-dimensional in most cases, like to real people with genuine real lived lives and social experiences and it's ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, just even real people from afar, which is R- real yeah. people yeah. from afar yeah. and you don't know there are s- the there are so many other things that could be besides bipolar disorder. So many other things. That's why we have the DSM to kind of figure those things out. And it could some- be something that's more physical, like clinical, I don't know, like drug-induced. <laughs> it could be a drugs. You know, that's the same exact behavior, the same exact thing could happen for a number of reasons. And if uh, exactly. if you aren't able to talk to the person and ask them, you're not going to know what the heck's going on there. And if he wants to compare it to a physical disorder, I have type 1 diabetes. If you see me doing injections right. or whatever, I could you don't know if I have type 2 or if it's a drug or something else. Like you don't know from a distance. You have to talk to me and and look at my medical alert bracelet and like have a conversation. Like you don't I still, know. <laughs> I still tell people that I work with right now, my area of expertise is anxiety, but I still, after doing this for so many years, I still can't tell when people are anxious. Um, it's, in some ways, it's very invisible. In some ways, it's it's just so different person to person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to really spend that time, develop that relationship, and hear from the other person how they experience it. So how the heck am I going to armchair diagnose someone who I've never met? Yeah. Also, his background is not in psychiatry. I know. Don't and that's one of the things yep. I yelled at. That's one of the things Aww. I yelled at Josue. I was like, he has... A degree, he, his background is internal medicine and addiction, which I heard every night that I listened to Loveline. Right. That was yeah, his yeah, background. Yeah. That has nothing to do. And sometimes addiction goes hand in hand with mental health. Right. But that doesn't mean you're a psychiatrist and you can diagnose these things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, to, and to Lauren's point about uh, diagnosing um, fictional characters, that's something that we at least here on Geek Therapy, we've always stayed away from. And mm-hmm. we look at, we'll look at symptoms. We'll look at, oh, like the character is expressing like this or looks that way or maybe has this. But diagnosing a fictional character, I think is just dangerous and sloppy. Mm-hmm. And I really don't like it when our peers do that. I, I don't appreciate it. And, but I think that they're, 
just like we can take Logan Paul's stupid video and try to teach something about it uh, or with it, we can we can do the same with with fictional characters. Uh, in my in my bachelor's program, one of our assignments was to choose a fictional character and sort of address their symptoms. Um, I chose Archer in case anybody was wondering, uh, <laughs> but it was sort of useful as a tool. Uh, to get into abnormal psychology, but the whole way it kept being reiterated is like this is fictional. This mm-hmm. this is more about like we want it to be fun and engaging, but recognize that what we're talking about is serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- and-, and it's not real. <laughs> we're we talking about same... fictional characters. Yeah, we did the same thing in my in my grad in my master's program, and we had to pick a character and go through step by step through a whole semester of like treatment plan like different kinds of interventions we could use and things like that but that's more of a teaching tool rather than just like diagnosing somebody um although i really liked that my professor thought it would be hard for me to use batman and i did it (laughs) and it was the easiest genogram ever (laughs) so yeah we tend to come at it here from from the sense of you might see something in a character that that's relatable, right? You mm-hmm. might think, oh, like I think I've felt that way, or, or or I've been in a similar situation, and that experience is very personal, you know. And mm-hmm. so, like putting a label on it as far as a diagnosis and stuff, I think is is uh, dangerous. But you never know what what anybody is getting from that experience, and and if we can run with it and and talk about it, I think is great. I, I also want to say something here that might be a little controversial, but <gasps> uh oh. Here we go. Um, diagnoses are also just the start of understanding mm-hmm. someone. Um, it, it is not, and it's only understanding one part and one piece of that person. Um, it's just one part of their story. And what's so much more more helpful is to understand um, why that thing might be happening. Um, and then also understanding their strengths as well. So if we take Batman, for example, there are there's multiple ways in which you could probably um, diagnose him and at different points in his uh, mm-hmm. life. And also, like, which version of Batman are we talking about? Are we talking about, like, you know, Batman v Superman Batman? Or are we talking <laughs> about, like, 1960s Batman? Um as Josue and I were chatting on Twitter about, there's, like, any version of Batman that you want, you can find. Um, mm-hmm. But there's so many features to that character. There's We can talk about post-traumatic growth. We can talk about trauma. We can talk about PTSD. We could talk about avoiding emotions. We could talk about his heightened sense of responsibility. There's so many ways of understanding someone, and a diagnosis is just one part of their story. Yeah, my favorite parts of the character have very little to do with any sort of diagnosis or even symptoms. And I feel that the character has helped me a lot from a strength-based perspective. So so we can talk about these things from, from so many different uh, perspectives. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about diagnosis uh, in, in another context. But first, let's take a quick break. Hey, Laura, you know, I, I love audiobooks. Uh, I, I've been an Audible subscriber for, for years, and I'm always looking for, for audiobook recommendations. You and I lately have been talking Star Wars, and there's this one book that you keep telling me to check out. <laughs> yeah. Why, why is that? What do you think I should do? It'll make you stop complaining about 
storyline issues in in Star Wars and The Last Jedi and Force Awakens because you know Bloodline explains all that. See, I have because I have a lot of questions. I don't know why the First Order is the First Order. Why are they there? What happened to Resistance? Are you, are you saying that Bloodline has these answers? It has most of those answers. Most of those answers. Okay. Maybe maybe I'll check it out. You should do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You've convinced me. I think I'm going to uh, go on Audible and check out Bloodline. And listeners, so can you. Uh, if you visit geektherapy.com slash Audible, you can get a free trial for Audible and a free book. It could be Bloodline. It could be something else. And Audible has this thing called a great listen guarantee. If you don't like the book, you can just return it and get another one. How does that sound, Lara? Sounds pretty awesome. I think so, too. Again, that's geektherapy.com slash audible for your free trial. So Jose Alvarez on Twitter said he would like to hear us talk about gaming disorder, uh, which has been in the news <laughs> regarding uh, from the World Health Organization. Uh, it's going to be... Right? So, so so I get... Um, it's funny. I love seeing the news nowadays. It's It's fun for me because you see one topic and then... Everybody's arguing it uh, in, a, in a different way or different aspects of it. Like nobody's debating with each other. People are talking past each other, like with completely different um, things. And so one of, one of the you main just described like most of the internet. Yes, he, yes, he yes, reads yes. the comments. I don't <laughs> read the comments. No, no, I read the articles, and the articles talk talk past each other. Like for example, okay. all these articles with headlines that say that the that the World Health Organization is making um, gaming addiction a a disorder or has made mm-hmm. it a disorder. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. Right. It's no. Like the, the main thing I want us to 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 um, mention in this in this context and this about this conversation is that it hasn't happened yet. Right. Just like in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical manual there is something called internet gaming disorder that is being considered it's in the book but it's not a diagnosis the world health organization is essentially an equivalent there's like a list of things there's a there's a it's not it's not a beta what are they calling it it's like a draft is that what they're calling it yeah right and it's it's in there and it's so it's up for discussion and it may be in some form or way but it hasn't happened yet it's out there for for people to to discuss it and so I mean, it's been in a lot of places, and I, I was just curious um, if you guys have any thoughts about this beyond the fact that it's it, it hasn't happened yet. So, news outlets, please, please stop saying that it that it happened. We we just had this conversation a few months ago, I think, like before you went on your hurricane hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know if I want to get all worked up about it again. If anyone wants to hear me get worked up about it, again. I'll get worked up about it. <laughs> I may get worked up about it with you, but it, yeah, yeah, it's uh no, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm I am currently in a PhD program. I spend a lot of time reading lots of articles, and one one of the first things that you do in any sort of research or whatever is like you have to define your terms, and we can't even define what a video game is. <laughs> That's we can't even point. get that one, but we're gonna we're gonna say it's a disorder. Okay, sure. That seems that seems like a great idea. That's actually a really good point that I hadn't even thought of bringing up. <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't define it at all. They don't specify uh, if it's console games, handheld games, mobile games, um, video arcade games, 
They don't talk about, you know, if it's uh, you can get addicted to fighting games or MOBAs or puzzle games or like it. There's there's like it's so poorly defined and we can't I mean, even in the games field, people can't agree on what a game is like our our visual novel games. Are they actually games? Exactly. Exactly. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a That's an excellent point. Josue, can I ask a question? Are we is there uh, Internet streaming disorder addiction? Is that being created or how about book reading addiction <laughs> fantastic yep right this, I have, I, this is my second I have, point right media, like puzzle media. Addiction. <laughs> i have steam sale addiction it's terrible it affects every you part of play my life the games you mean you steam sale disorder <laughs> yeah yes i do <laughs> i've got the disorder the, the steam sale disorder ali's point is perfect right like is been where's netflix binging Right. Like where where all of these other forms of entertainment and media that aren't video games and have been around since before video games and people have been attributing the same issues to. So something I want to completely acknowledge is I I work with a lot of people who for whom um, they are spending a lot of time playing their video Mm -hmm. games instead of doing the other things that they're supposed to do. And it is getting in the way of their life. That definitely happens, and I'm sure um, at some point in our lives, maybe some of us have experienced that. I think uh, that was my middle school, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there are, I think, parents uh, who are listening to this, maybe they're wondering, like, is my is my child playing too much? How do I know? So we all see that with a lot of different media. But um, as Lauren was saying, we have a hard time defining what a video game is. And the classic idea of addiction as it relates to substances, I don't think that analogy completely applies here. Mm-hmm. It's more, what is it that is, what is the video game doing for you? And what are you potentially not doing? And what might be behind that? Is that anxiety? Is that depression? Is it something else? And is this video game providing a sense of uh, connection, either social or, or something else, or some type of relief or some type of joy? I don't know. Um, it's messy. It's complicated. And in the media, it's portrayed in a non-messy way. And I think that just leads to more problems. And so I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say something controversial now. And I'm going to actually refer to what you said earlier, Ali, which is that diagnosis is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have a problem with something like gaming disorder. I understand I do have some issues with it being listed under an addiction. But Mm -hmm. the idea of having a diagnosis, something that is considered, whether it be called gaming disorder or anything else, that acknowledges the fact that a person um, a person's uh, video game or media habits in general, any whatever they may be, are having a negative effect on other aspects of their lives, I think is a good starting point. Like, I think, you know, if a parent comes to me right now and says, my kid's addicted to video games, I have to say, first of all, that, like, that's not even in the that's not even in the DSM. That's not even a diagnosis I can I can give you. That's not a real thing. But if it was a real thing, it's a starting point. And, you know, something that Listen, this is this is there's some therapists in the room. You can you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but tons of therapists out there. You walk in the room and they all give you like not all many do this type of thing <laughs> where they just go ahead and give you a generic diagnosis like generalized anxiety disorder. And mm-hmm. they don't even bother to like that's everything that they bill for. That's all that they send to the insurance company. And then they they actually work with you, but they don't bother with like being more diligent with the disorder because like uh, with the diagnosis because they're starting to 
like they're they're working with you, right? And 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 maybe they'll work with you later. But that that part of the beginning is just to kind of get you in the door and get you working. So I'm not upset about having something like this. I understand again the addiction part, and there's different aspects to it that are kind of iffy. Everything we've mentioned here is is uh, something to consider. But I'm like I'm not I'm not as upset as as I see a lot of people being. Ooh, Josue, maybe we aren't the same person. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I think I think there is a place for it. I like to. I've had coworkers try and diagnose. I'm doing air quotes too. Um, they're, I they're saw clients. them. I saw the air quotes. You saw them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw them um, in my mind's eye. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen. I've had coworkers try and diagnose um, kids with. Uh, gaming addiction even though it's not a thing um, <laughs> and I've said you know it's more of a and the way in the work I do we don't diagnose kids it's more behavioral and their therapist does the diagnosis and we deal with the actual behaviors and helping them find replacement behaviors to to get rid of those negative things they're doing and and get them to meet their needs in this in a different way in a healthier way um, so I talk about it in more of like a problematic gaming kind of way I have a feeling that if gaming addiction becomes a, an actual diagnosable disorder, that many mental health professionals will uh, misuse it um, in much in the way that ADHD gets misused or even bipolar disorder gets dis- gets misused. Um, and I agree. And those are things I think are, are like broader exactly. issues in mental health treatment in, in general, general. In general, yeah. right. So yeah. my my issue is not with the with the diagnosis itself, um, but with how it could be used and and mental health in general. I think you and I have Josue have had many conversations about mental health in general mm-hmm. that I have issues with. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And we had a whole especially podcast in the United about States it. in particular. Yeah, especially oh. in the United States. Um, but there are kids that you know um, don't go to the bathroom because they're they're playing games or or don't. I I heard somebody talk about a client that was playing video games so much his parents were sitting there feeding him while he was playing, um, and that is that's where it gets to be a, a problem. But I don't I wouldn't classify it as an addiction, and I also would would think that there are other things underlying it that that could yeah, be more like yeah. depression or trauma or exactly. something like that. Yeah, I mean I I am the the least clinical person here. So so many grains of salt with with my opinions and please correct me if I'm, you know, making a fool of myself. But I I don't I have a problem with a diagnosis. I mean, there are like if if you are consuming any sort of media, like when I was 11 and 12, I was a voracious reader because that was basically the only thing my parents didn't take away from me when I was grounded, which was frequently. <laughs> um, and so I read all the time and it got to the point where it's like people would tell me like, you stink, you need to shower. And I'd be like, yeah, after I finish this book. And it's like, oh, I really desperately need to pee, but I'm not going to get up until I've finished reading this chapter and stuff like that, where it was like not super healthy behaviors. And uh, it was like, but like the idea of being diagnosed with like book reading addiction disorder. (laughs) What? What? I mean, and when we talk about a clinical problem, right, it, it means that it's affecting some part of your life negatively. And honestly, that could be 
almost anything. I think yeah. we we need so much more research here because one of the things that is different about video games is they are really engineered to create flow. They're they're designed for your skill in the game to meet the challenge and for that to be so engaging that time sort of flies by. That's a good video game is designed to do that. And so if you are taking someone who might be vulnerable to not feeling so good and you um, put them into a context where they are playing something that really helps them to feel pretty good and Mm -hmm. makes time go by quickly, um, that might be a problem. So we need more research to know who might be vulnerable to using video games in a way that um, gets in the way of their life. It, Josue, it's reminding me of something you told me on on my uh, YouTube channel. You said um, video game. We want you to use video games as a power up to um, help you uh, feel better, uh, um, be able to cope with your emotions, to be able to connect with other people, stuff like that. Have fun. We don't want it to be a side quest that uh, takes you away from your life takes you away from doing the things that that you want to do. So uh, we need so much more research here um, to really know what it you're, is. You're misquoting about. me, but definitely. <laughs> How did I misquote you? How did I misquote yeah. you? I said that video games cannot be the main story. They should only be a side quest Oh, to, to your main story. <laughs> That's what I said. It's on it's it's on your YouTube channel. Yeah, I know we could probably we could fact check that. We could <laughs> we could totally fact check that. But you know, okay, so we, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, power ups. So they get a power just, up. I just feel like all it does is to f- further stigmatize people mm-hmm. who enjoy video games is basically my my emotional response to reading about it. Which is which is one of my concerns, too. And it reminds me, actually, your story reminded me of this, too. Um, I read an article on Kotaku. It's called <laughs> How Not to Stop Your Nerdy Child from Becoming a Pro Gamer. And it's hilarious because it's, it's talking about all of these uh, pro gamers uh, who were playing and their parents were trying to stop them. And the kids kept doing something. Um, one of them hid, uh, like would take the, the kid's Xbox to work. But he had another Xbox hidden away. The parent <laughs> has no idea, so he would plug it in. Um, it's a really funny article. But then the parents come around at the end and they're like, yeah, like my kid makes more money than I do now. I thought it was a problem. But now I, I don't see it as a problem. And I think it's, it's, it's a wonderful uh, uh, article to look at to, to, so we can talk about the, the stigma part, right? So many parents that I've talked to have been like, no, I'm really worried about my kid who's playing so many video games. And like, I'm afraid it's going to make them violent. And it's like, oh, really? Like the domestic violence at home isn't going to make them violent? Like, you know, like let's, let, we have to have a, a broader conversation. And, and this is a conversation that we're going to keep having. The the uh, World Health Health Organization thing is interesting. Um, I'm actually uh, next week on Headshots. I'm going to go into this for a whole hour because it's way more complicated than just the gaming disorder. There's also hazardous gaming, which is another diagnosis that they want to include. What? And yeah, and I don't know. <laughs> is I, that playing Pokemon Go near a busy street? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Um, and and there's another uh, piece of this, which is like I know that. DSM. I know that the the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the Bible, the Diagnosis Bible, is decided upon by a small group of people with input from a larger group, but that's not really representative of like the mental health field in general, in my opinion. And I don't know who the or who is making this deci- this decision for the ICD within the uh, World Health Organization. That's like something I really want to look at because th- there's a lot of information here and. 
like from a from a global perspective is very different than the American Psychiatric Association's opinion. Like it's 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 a way uh like a bigger topic, right? Then we're going to touch upon it here. There's a lot to look into. And this is something we're going to keep discussing. And, you know, I always like to bring up the fact that up until the third version of the APA's DSM, being gay was a disorder, you mm-hmm. know? So these things, like sometimes you these pendulums have to swing in one direction and the other to be able to, to like actually come to something useful and... And we're in the middle of that process. And for all the reasons that everybody has mentioned here, which are, which are, which are great from the fact that, like, what about other media and what's a video game and the stigma and all of that, it's really, really complicated. And it, it, ideally, it should be, diagnoses should be the integration of science and clinical practice. That's what it should be, is what is our research telling us and what is expert experience um, treating people who are struggling with these kind of things. But um, the um, uh, the diagnosis of being gay, as you were talking about, Josue, that really speaks to culture and politics. And cultural attitudes swing our ideas of what is normal and what's abnormal. And it's usually politics that makes those changes. One of my favorite episodes of This American Life, I think it's called 81 Words. Um, and it, it it refers to the 81 words of the homosexual diagnosis in the DSM and how that was removed from the DSM. And it really came down to um, politics and someone who knew someone. Um, and I think we're seeing that same thing here. It's the cultural attitudes towards video games and the science isn't there yet. We don't have scientific answers about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's it for the for the main topics we we're going to discuss today. When Laura and I did this show, it was usually way more positive and upbeat and happy. I don't <laughs> know what you happened. Why invite these people? I don't know. Yeah, what, what have I done? <laughs> no, and I mean, uh, one of the things I want this show to to be is I want it to be um, of the moment, you know. And these are these are the things that we're talking about right now. Laura and I had not talked about um, the gaming disorder thing. The Logan Paul video is just like everywhere, you know. Like I, I really wanted to make sure we we addressed it. And you know, but the week before that, we talked about Star Wars. So it depends on what's happening in the week. That's the kind of show that this that mm-hmm. this is. Um, I want to give everybody an opportunity to 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 bring up something more positive or happier. Um, maybe maybe like what are you guys looking forward to? Um, mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Like, what are you guys looking forward to in the next coming week that that maybe we'll be able to talk about <laughs> and reflect upon on a, on a future happier episode of GT Radio? I'm I'm really looking forward to Sunday night because that's when Star Trek Discovery comes back. Yes. Um, oh yeah, me too. Yay. Mm. Um, I'm. Are I'm they a- going to? Blank or are they going to a blank? I don't know. <laughs> right. um, uh, I can't they're, wait. Go, they're going where no one has gone before. We know yes. that. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a huge Trekkie um, going back for a very long time. And I've got lots of thoughts about this new Star Trek. Um, but I, one of the things that I love is the diversity on screen, the diversity um, behind uh, the cameras in the writer's room. Uh, this next episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes, who played Lieutenant 
command or not lieutenant commander but commander <laughs> Riker on the next generation um yeah. you might n- know him from uh the sexy bearded first officer of the enterprise number one, <laughs> number one. so he directed this episode um he also directed one of my favorite next generation movies star trek uh first contact so i'm very excited to see this um this crew back at it and uh to see where their adventures take them i am excited because tonight actually uh, the new episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend comes out Ooh. and a new episode of Steven Universe comes out. So I have t- oh, nice. two things that I'm very excited about. Steven Universe trumps everything for me. Steven, I love Steven Universe <laughs> so much. I am super excited. I've been binge watching History Channel's Vikings. And um, so I am very, I don't know. I just I want to be a Viking now. I I want to be a shield maiden. Um, I'm in love with uh, Catherine Winnick, and uh, yeah, I mean I know that I have some uh, Danish background, and so I'm like, ooh, these are my people. Let me <laughs> let me let me be a Viking. You know, so- I I read somewhere recently that there are a bunch of um, like famous Vikings that uh, were women, mm-hmm. and basically dudes were like nah that's not believable and then just changed it so they're like no even though these skeletal remains are definitely female like we're gonna say it's a dude and i'm like "Mm, stop taking away my girl power (laughs) no the vikings were known for for women being able to like be just as good as a man and battle and rip a dude a hat in half (laughs) exactly so don't mind me if i start yelling things and talking about Norse gods in oh, the next yeah. like week. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, I'm gonna. Hosway, what about what you, you Hosway? Yeah, what are you looking for? Uh, so, so I'm still catching up. Like I lost two months of my life, so I'm still catching up <laughs> on everything. So many new things that I'm uh, very excited about. But no, I think I think Steven Universe over over everything else. Um, but one thing that we we are we have started that is new. We did start a Patreon, and I'm actually stup- super excited about uh, what we're doing there. We're doing a book club. And so we're right in the middle of it. So it's a book club, but we're playing a game. Don't leave <laughs> yeah. me alone. And uh, so uh, we're, we're right at the beginning of it. And the, as we're playing the game, there's uh, like podcast episodes that go along. And there's a community discussion. And I'm really excited about uh, doing this. It's something brand new for Geek Therapy. And that's something that's available for, for everybody who's a $1 or more supporter on Patreon. Book clubs make me anxious this way. Because it's, I always don't participate. Behind. I'm not. I'm totally not participating. <laughs> but yeah, I but always fall behind. It's okay. That's why there's like recorded episodes and there's like. But then uh, I get FOMO because I don't want to like watch the record. I want to okay. be like with the people. I'm going time. really what? slow. <laughs> Ali, what, what would the exposure therapy for a book club be? And probably be start a book or join a book club with a very small <laughs> book. And that is much like more like a children's book, right? Like a children's. <laughs> yes. the, the first, the, the first pictures. level is Good Night Moon. It'll be like Where's Waldo is, is the book. Like, uh. <laughs> then you got to make sure you found him on the right page. Uh, that I could, that I could handle probably. Um, yeah. Oh man. And so, in what we talked about today was inspired in part by uh, suggestions from from listeners and from people online. And uh, so we're starting a new thing also, which is the question queue. So if you go to geektherapy.com slash qq there's a form you can go ahead and ask a question and we will uh, pull from from that queue uh, in future episodes question queue geektherapy.com slash qq and 
that's it for the first episode of GT Radio. This was not a disaster. I'm very happy with how this went. Woo! I'm very happy to have everybody <laughs> along. I am Jose Cardona with Lara Taylor, Lauren Keller, and Ali Matu. Lauren is Chicken Dinosaur on Twitter. Lara is Geek Therapist on Twitter. Ali is Ali Matu on Twitter. And I'm Josue A. Cardona on Twitter. Find more episodes of Geek Therapy and information about all of our other shows on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network at geektherapy.com. And we're at Geek Therapy on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will be back next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. The long and prosper. You just listened to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com. And for extra content, including our monthly book club and other perks, consider supporting us for as little as $1 a month at our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash geektherapy. Can't believe Ali just like <laughs> coughed right on my on my outro. Sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought I muted that. <laughs> you were like you muted a quarter of a second. Yeah. Oh, whoops. Sorry, guys. <laughs>